Hey, welcome to episode four of our Christ Community Church podcast, and uh, we're excited that you're joining us and looking forward to diving uh, further into the topic of sin. Yeah, everyone's favorite topic Uh, to cover. I know. Well, you know, nobody got up and uh, left this Sunday, so uh, you must have uh, pressed into it, you know. I saw really some well. people walking out early. I think, you know, they were they were done with it. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Maybe uh, they were cat lovers. Plus, <laughs> we'll see how long no. we could uh, pull keep, this one out. This th- just keep this thing going permanently. <laughs> like this is just going to be a running joke. You know, on, on a side note, I've I've talked about Dodger fans, Raider fans, like iPhone users. It's always, you know, everyone just just moves on. But when you mention cats, people do not like it. And just, my wife was talking to me yesterday. She's like, it's weird because you're not like you don't dislike cats. I was like, I know it's just a joke. Like it's just, it's not be funny, but anyways, no, so no more cat stuff. Yeah. So, uh, we're, we, this Sunday, we, uh, you walked us through Genesis three, the whole passage. Um, and there's some points that I want to get to later on that I've really enjoyed. Um, but what was your, you know, in your studying and preparation mm-hmm. for this message, uh, and Genesis three, like what was your own personal kind of aha or the spirit spoke to you man uh that's that's a good question because it's it's such a familiar passage i mean you can't you can't be in church for any lengthy amount of time and not hear genesis 3 preached on or or pointed to because it's so significant because when you look at where things are at this is how it all started I, i think for me it's just that that connection that even though we often look at it as the point where things are broken there's just so much grace and so much beauty from God in the midst of all of that, because you see the the punishments, you see the consequences of sin, you see the, the brokenness that is caused. But in the middle of that, God makes a sacrifice to cover the man and woman. Like you see even just the, the trees and what the trees point to and pointing to God and his goodness. You see that even though death would come, that he's still allowing them to have life. And so I, I think that was really the big thing is that oftentimes I point back to saying, hey, look, we're all sinners and here's where it started. But here's also really, it's not where grace started. Cause I mean, giving life is a, is a form of grace, right? Yeah, but, yeah. but like, but in terms of grace for in the midst of our, our failures, God's grace. I mean, that's, this is the first place where you really see that. Like you see that on full display here that man sins and God extends grace and mercy. And so that I think was the big thing for me of just like, just seeing his goodness in the midst of it, that he continues to give chances and, um, you know, the way this points ultimately to the, the work on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. Even, I mean, just to the, I mean, even to this day of how, when we're caught in situations of like, we know we're living a life or our thoughts or whatnot are against God mm-hmm. and we want to blame somebody else. You know, I know when I was just reading through the passage and I got to the point where, uh, Adam blames Eve, Eve blames the serpent. You know, there's kind of chuckles among the congregation because yeah. we all know that's true that when we're when we're doing something or caught up in something or our thoughts are just against God, we kind of, we want to turn and like, we want to push that off and not take ownership of it. Yeah. All right. So I want to, I want to dive into uh, verse one that says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Um, I don't think you really touched on it or you, you mentioned it briefly of how we know from later scripture mm-hmm. that this serpent is Satan. So I wanted to point to the actual scripture because I don't think you, did you mention that? In, nope, I, uh, yeah, I don't think you did. So in Revelation 12, 9, we read, and the great dragon was thrown down 
that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So uh, I know when you were kind of pressing into and unpacking who the serpent was, uh, you'd mentioned that. And I was like, oh, yeah, wait, that's, you know, jumping over to Revelation, which I think is important that as we reach all the way back to the Old Testament mm-hmm. and we're unpacking the beginning, we we get the there's beauty that we get all the way to revelation. Yeah. Um, so what was one of your highlights of kind of just unpacking who this deceiver is? Yeah, I, I think, well, it is important, right? Because it's not just, Oh, there's, there's an animal that really is off. Like that's not, that's not the point of the story. Yeah. A some, talking snake. Yes. Yes. I did have some e- a lot of questions. Yeah. I had someone email me and was like, does that mean that, that other animals were talking? And it's funny because I was, I was kind of assumed that, yeah, there probably are other animals who talk because there's no like surprise. There's no like crazy. But then when you think of, um, uh, was it Balaam or Balak who, who had the talking donkey, uh, and, and like, he didn't free, you know, Balaam, thank you. Yeah. Who, you know, he didn't freak out when his donkey started talking. Maybe he did, but like, that's not in the scripture. Anyways, the point <laughs> being that like, it's not just, oh, part of creation is evil. It's like, no, here is the enemy. And, but I think, I think here's the thing is that what I, what I want people to understand is we, we see his playbook here in Genesis chapter three, like yeah. we see what he does. And really like if you fast forward to Jesus, when he's in the wilderness and, and Satan comes to tempt him, he's using the same questions. He's playing the same game with him. And, and so really is this idea that like the deceivers, he's, he's going to come and he's going to try and ask us, do we know who God is? Is God good? Can he be trusted? Shouldn't you follow yourself? Like, aren't you a better God than God? And it's, it's the same game. And, and you hear these messages like culturally, but you feel them internally. And so I think that if we're aware of the games that he's going to play and the questions he's going to ask, it helps us see them, but also it helps us to guard our hearts because now I can say, okay, this is why I need to be a person who is constantly reading the word of God because the enemy is going to come. And he's going to twist the word of God and he knows it better than we do. Yeah. And he's going to twist it. He's just going to use just get a little bit off just to get us questioning and thinking the wrong way. So we just need to be aware of what he's, what he's up to, what he's doing, because again, the playbook hasn't changed. It's the same thing he's doing today that he did at the very beginning. And we keep missing it and we keep leaving ourselves vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. And so this is the whole idea of putting on the armor of God and talking about like the sword of the, you know, sword of spirit, like all these different things. It's like, you, you have to do this. You have to guard your heart because He's coming after you yeah. and, and, and he wants you to run away from God. He wants to pull you away from his heart. And so you need to know the heart of God and you need to know who he is. And that's what the whole series started on and, and why we're doing this is because we see God in the center of the story and we get to know him and his good creations, good plan. And, and, and we see that like, but there is an enemy who's going to try and pull you away that seeks to steal, kill and destroy. And so you got to guard your hearts against that. Yeah, that's good. And it's a good reminder of um, when you're talking about Jesus being tempted by Satan and uh, when he was out in the desert uh, and he pointed back to, he said he respond, would respond with scripture says mm-hmm. and would quote it for what scripture said. Uh, it's just a reminder as uh, followers of Jesus that we need to be in the word. We need to be continually reading it um, and not guessing, well, what, is, what does scripture say? Like actually open it. You know, it's, I was just kind of reflecting on um, that a vast majority of Christians don't read scripture. Yeah. Like they show and 
and walking through this Genesis series, I know when we've been reading uh, a whole passage, a whole chapter, like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, we've probably increased people's uh, hearing of the word like 300%. So, but uh, it is, it is, I mean, it is shocking, right? Like we have so, we have so much access. It's so easy to access and even study tools. So like if there's things that are confusing, there's what, like there's study tools available to you. There's Bible plans that take you through the whole Bible, like part of the Bible. Um, you know, the Bible project is an amazing resource that walks you through the book. So you have understanding as you dive into it and read it. And, and yet it's, it's well known that biblical literacy is down, uh, like it's at its lowest point ever. And so it's like, that can't be like Christians. We have to be people of the word. Like it's God's word. It tells us who he is. We have to know who he is. And so we need to be people of the word and, and you need to find time in your day to create a regular habit, a regular rhythm of being in scripture. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it was this Sunday or the last one, but you'd talked about, <clears throat> Hey, it's important that we're going to start from the beginning and you read it to the end because when do you, Oh yeah. It was a couple sermons ago when you shared about your sister-in-law, I think like if you jump into the middle of a movie, it's going to be super skewed and you're going to be lost. And so, um, yeah, so I'm glad we're going through Genesis. All right. Um, the, the next thing that was kind of like a, like a aha moment for me was when you were talking about how Eve started adding on human tradition. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a really good connecting point. I haven't, you know, thought through that, uh, before. Um, so, kind of recap that again what were you getting at and uh give an example of like how uh, another example of how we do that today of we add we add to god's word yeah absolutely so you know we see in i think it's verse three or verse two maybe um but when she when she is talking about the command she says she says we can't touch it or we will certainly die god's command was you can't eat from it or you are you will certainly die and so I think it's possible that Adam and Eve set up boundaries that are, are good and say, hey, let's not go near the tree. Let's not touch the tree. But then that that boundary that is trying to help you maintain God's law becomes a part of God's law. And, and you can become overly restrictive on yourself or on others, or you can you know, cross that line. And then you feel like, oh, well, I can cross any line because I was able to cross this one with no consequences. I think one of the examples I use in the sermon, I don't know if I did it all three services actually, but is, you know, praying before meals. Like that's kind of a funny one, right? Because it talks about Jesus giving thanks before meals, but there's no command in scripture that we have to pray before meals. And yet there are some people who take that very seriously. Like if you don't pray before a meal, like you've just committed sin and, you know, your your food is unblessed and there's a curse upon you, something like that. Um, but I, I think there's there's more serious ones that that we can, you know, we can talk to. I mean, I think even just kind of the the standards of what we do on during a worship service. And and, you know, I think I think we try and do a good job of saying, hey, there's multiple ways of, of worship and there's there's different things that we can do and um, and 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 not make anyone restrictive. But I think even like like what you wear on a Sunday morning, you know, you don't want to turn someone away because they're not dressed uh on their, in their Sunday best, or, and, you know, I've heard pastors that have said like, they've been <clears throat> preaching somewhere, somewhere else and talked about like they were there and watched someone who came up and was a little ragged maybe. And someone sent them away because they weren't dressed appropriately. And it's like, well, we're now we're pointing people away from hearing the gospel message because of a standard that really we have set on our own. The, the Pharisees use this with the, uh, the hand washing. They were, they yeah. were worried about why the disciples weren't doing the hand washing. And and then Jesus calls them out and he says, hey, you actually took the law and twisted it because 
the law of God says honor your father and mother, but they had twisted it and, and basically said, well, if it's for, if it's for God, we can ignore our, our parents, you know, and they had the reasons for, for doing that. It's like, no, you, you just made a human tradition above God's law and they were constantly using it to restrict people and make it more, more difficult and challenging. So I, I think there's probably lots of ways that, that we do this. We just have to be careful to pay attention to what's actually the word of God and what is, cause traditions can be good, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like again, not touching the tree was probably a good idea. Like don't touch the fruit. You don't need to, there's no reason for it. Um, but we have to be careful to make sure that we clarify what is God's commands and what is man's commands. Yeah. Man, there's so much there to unpack. Um, it just, I mean, you, you took me to thinking about, uh, you know, I'm in the midst of Bible reading plan in, in Leviticus, where it's unpacking the 600 plus laws that God gave, uh, you know, Israel, his people. And when we look back on those today, we're like, gosh, that's so rigid and so tight. And you have to, you know, how would you fulfill any of those? Well, Jesus, you know, he later comes in. Like, yeah. If you've yeah. if, if you've done one, you do them all. Or if you've missed one, you've missed them all. Like you just can't accomplish all of them. But the ultimate point of them is that God is so holy that he wanted his people to be in a way clean or cleansed mm -hmm. before they approach him or whatnot. Um but that wasn't accomplished. We see through the whole biblical narrative that, you know, people try to worship God, then they reject God. It's just ebb and flow. And then Jesus comes and uh, he takes God's holiness and, and in essence imputes it onto us because of him and what he's done. Yeah. Um, and it's all because of Genesis three, because of the brokenness that uh, came into creation. So, um, yeah, that's good stuff. What um, I'm trying to look at your uh, so the the next thing that you had unpacked is um, that we all have a sin problem, mm -hmm. um, and that's evident within um, Genesis three. But then you hit on the three types of sin: of sin of commission, omission, mm -hmm. and our thoughts. Um, what of those three do you think is the most challenging for Christians? I, well, I thoughts is probably going to be the most uh, most tricky because it, it's going to be the easiest to to break, right? I mean, but I, I do think that sins of omission are the ones that are talked about less and probably committed more by followers of Christ because. It, again, I think it goes to the Pharisee problem where the Pharisees were like, hey, we don't commit adultery. We don't commit murder. Like check and check. Right. Like we've got some of these things. You told us not to do these things. We're not doing them. That, that in some ways is easier to do. But then when you think about, hey, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Like, listen, I, I know that I've had, I mean, talking about my literal neighbor and Jesus obviously breaks that apart saying, you know, basically your neighbor is anyone you come in contact with. But like, I, I've had trouble many times, like loving my neighbor. Like there's been things where, you know, they do little things that, that bother me and frustrate me. And it's like, oh, I just, I just am mad and I don't want any relationship with them. It's like, oh no, I'm supposed to be, the one that goes and extends love and extends grace and extends forgiveness. And, and I think there's been plenty of times where I haven't gone and done what I should do, where maybe my heart is like Jonah who, you know, runs away because he doesn't like the Ninevites. He doesn't want them to receive yeah. grace. Like ultimately that's what we see in the story. <laughs> and it's like, there are some people that I have a really hard time with and to go and show them love. Like, I just don't want to do that. Right. Like, uh, but that's what we're called to do. And you know, how many times do you maybe feel God's pull of saying, Hey, there's someone you can go in and share yeah, faith with the Holy and Spirit just kind of shoving you like, yep. you know, it, you hear it, you sense it. And you're like, uh, but God, I need to get home to watch a, 
a football game yeah. or whatever. Great. Thank you for taking that shot at me, Dustin. Uh, no, I mean, you, you might even be like some, I've, I've heard people talk about like even being on an airplane and, and I, I've, I don't really feel like I'm supposed to talk to people on airplanes. I don't know. So do you go, do you go with pastor or public speaker? I, <laughs> I would say pastor if I was, okay. but, um, but some people have been like, you know, I felt like God was calling me to talk to this person and I just didn't want to. So I just didn't do that. And so it's like, I think those are ones that become easier because we, we can, it's easier to check things off the list of not doing certain things. But when it comes to what we're supposed to do, there's a lot that we're supposed to do and a lot of love we're supposed to show and, you know, telling people about Jesus. And that becomes very easy to ignore because I'm not doing the bad things. So I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the bad things. Um, you know, the sin of, uh, commission, you know, you use the example of, um, it was a story that you, you know, or a video you watched on YouTube of like mm. that house with the red line around and, uh, how some people just, they were done staying in this house. And so they walked completely out. And then there was a the person whose heel kind of yeah. swiped the red line. Um, you know, press into that a little more of like how, how we as Christians, we can tend to inch up to that. And we play this weird game of like, well, I'm not going this far, so I must be good, but I'm not as bad as that murderer or whatnot. Well, and again, I mean, this is what Matthew five really deals with where Jesus is calling out the the Pharisees and and saying like, Hey, you've checked these things off the list, but your heart is far from God. And that's ultimately like, ultimately what the standard is, is our hearts have to be fully devoted to him. Like we have to be fully committed to following and pursuing Jesus. That's, that's the goal. And if we're not a hundred percent bought in and we're not completely surrendered, then, then we're living in sin. And, and so it, there are things where it's easy to look and say, oh yeah, look at, look at what that person did. Or, you know, we just create our own standard. Like this, ah, this doesn't really count. Like that's not really sin. You know, I had a, I had a student once who, um, I, we were on a retreat and I had this bag of peanut butter M&Ms I was going to share with the cabin. And so at like, right when we got to the cabin, I'd opened up the bag and, and the peanut butter M&Ms were on top and everyone's like, Oh, and I was like, no, 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 that, you know, that's for, that's for me, whatever. Like I wasn't going to, because it was a, a surprise. So I wasn't going to You know that was going to end well with junior high guys. I, I should have known, but you know, honestly, like I trusted because a lot of these guys, they're, they're, you know, good kids. I'm putting this in air quotes for those who are listening on the podcast. All right. Like they're good kids. And so I just, I thought that they would respect my personal property and I zipped up my bag and I came back and like the bag was unzipped. The peanut butter M&Ms were now on top and it was half empty. And I, I, you know, all, all the guys ratted out the one who started it. And, and again, church kid, like, like typical good Christian kid, whatever. And, and I confronted him. I was like, dude, you stole from me. He's like, I didn't steal. I was like, well, did you own those? No. Did you take them without asking? Yes. That's stealing. That's the definition of stealing. And he's like, did I just sin? Cause I don't feel like I sin. And it's just, again, like that's a small example, but this is just yeah. how, how depraved our nature is, is that we just pretend like things don't matter because I didn't go into a bank and like hold them up at, at gunpoint and take money. So it's not stealing. Right. Like, but going to that extreme. Yes. That's what we tend to justify. But, but the problem is, is that I think what one of the issues is, is we don't see sin as we don't see sin for what it is, which is, um, which is an insult to God. Like we see it as like breaking a, a speed limit. Right. And yep. it's like breaking a speed limit doesn't hurt anyone as long, you know, as long as they don't hurt anyone. Like, and if you get pulled over, you're probably more mad at the police officer for pulling you over. Then you don't feel like you hurt anyone by doing that. But when we sin, it is, it is, it is a hurt to God. Like it is, is rebellion against him. It's, it's more like having an affair than breaking a a speed limit law. And so I, I think that we just have to be aware that, 
you know, we want to put our own standards on it. We just can't. Like God looks at sin and he sees it as disgusting and dirty and, and it separates us. He has his standard. He wants all of us and, and we're never going to achieve that on our own. Yeah. I love how you use the illustration of, uh, you know, if we think we're so righteous and we're like, okay, you at least got to confess I, I sin once a day. And I, you, you spelt it out, okay, if that's one a day per year, X amount of years, and we show up in a courtroom yeah. and we're before the judge and we're like, hey, I only have like 13,000 sins. Like when you, when you paint that picture, you're like, yeah, there's no way any judge of the law uh, is going to be like, okay, yeah, you're absolved. Yeah. And by the way, we, we wouldn't want them to. No. Because if that were happening, if those sins were against us, like we would not be like, Whoa, look at how many things they did to us. Like, yeah. look at how much wrong they did. You can't, you can't just let them off the hook. Yeah. So we know that God is, is just. And I think what it really comes down to is we need to accept that, yes, we have this sin problem, like we all sin, and we need to see sin for what it is, which is ugly, disgusting, like rebellion against God. Because only when we understand our sin do we really see the beauty of the cross. Like, do we really understand the need for what Jesus did? Like, and how significant it was that he took our place in that. Yeah. And well, that's what, you know, we talk about imputed righteousness. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the beauty of it. Like, we should have 13,000, you know, uh, <laughs> sins against us, way more than that, yeah, if, we're, yeah. if we're all truly honest uh, in, our, in our lifetime. But, uh, like, we get this free pardon, mm -hmm. um, it, but it came out of price. It came out of the, the price of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Um, and it's that's just glorious yeah. um, and, and grateful for that. Um what would be, so you kind of walked us through, you know, Romans 3.23 and Romans 6 for all have sinned and, and the wages of sin is death. Um, what would be, what would be your encouragement of like someone who's new to hearing the gospel and they're thinking through like, man, I, I deserve death. Mm -hmm. What would be your encouragement to them? Well, my encouragement would be the end of Romans 6, 23, right? It says for, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's, it's something that, yes, it is hard to accept that that's what we deserve. And that's why I think sin is such a, a difficult thing to talk about because no one wants to admit that they are deserving of death. Like no one walks in and says, Hey, I deserve the death penalty. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what I deserve. Right? Like, like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that, that, you know, I deserve this eternal death, like that the eternal separation. Like, I don't want to believe that, that a loving God would do that to me. Right. Because again, well, even, even if we know we're bad, we still don't want to believe that like, that's what we have to deal with. Um, but I, I think that if you can accept that that's who you are, if you can understand how God sees sin and understand how gross it is, like you can then receive the gift that God gives you and see the beauty of it. And, and so it's this, it's this fine line of, yeah, feel the sin, like be repentant of the sin, feel it and understand it, but also see that God created a way to lead you through this. Like God made a way uh, to, to pay the price for your sin. Like he did it for you. You don't have to do it on your own. And, you know, I think when we understand the price and we understand what is like how it's been paid for, it changes things. I, I've used this example in the past and I'll just use it here. Like when, when my wife and I got married, we went on our honeymoon to, uh, we went to Maui and stayed in this beautiful house on this beautiful place. Um, and I was so appreciative at, at the time, but also it was my first time in Hawaii. I had never really like paid for a trip on my own. Like I always had gone with like parents or someone else. Right. Um, or just didn't do big trips. So I really had no idea of like what we were spending and how like 
how difficult it would be to ever do that again. Since then, uh, you know, we we've gone, we've we've wanted, we planned a trip to Hawaii again, and we had had planned it and and looked and like, oh my goodness, this is going to be so expensive. I mean, you know, it's expensive to go to Hawaii and yeah. and to stay anywhere close to where we were at. I mean, it, it was impossible. And and then the the same person gifted us this house again. And I'm telling you, the second time was more significant than the first one. Because at that point, like I had counted the cost, I understood it and just saw the beauty of this gift that this person had given to me that we can't pay for this on our own. And so I think that, yeah, like we deserve death. That's, that's the cost. That's the price. But that's the price that has been paid. Yeah. And that's where we ultimately need to go to is that that price has been paid for us. That's the beauty of the cross. That's the beauty of the resurrection, like that Jesus did that for us. Count the cost because it's significant yeah. and understand it because when you realize what you've received, it it overcomes the the despair of the sin that you have had and the cost that you owe because it's been paid. It's already it's already been done. So you're feeling this debt, and someone comes like, "No, no, look, look at what your debt is. It's zero. It's nothing. Yeah. Like you're done." I because I, I took care of it. I took care of the bill for you. Yeah. Well, I think we can uh, we have to you know push forward a little bit of you know we can okay we can accept that accept Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. I receive eternal salvation and that eternal hope. Mm -hmm. And if we just stop there, that's, I think, giving it a cheap grace because mm -hmm. talking about there is a cost. Uh, Jesus tells us uh, anyone who's going to follow him needs to pick up their cross and follow. Yeah. Uh, when we're picking up our cross, you're headed towards your death. And so then through our maturing as followers and disciples of Jesus, <laughs> we're journeying with him towards towards death because there's a cost of being a follower uh, of him. I don't think we've really experienced that pressure uh, within our you know North American culture, but there is going to be times and days and situations that arise where there will be a cost uh, to that. So uh, any final closing thoughts? ideas that you had about uh this whole topic of of sin no i think that that's you know i i think that that pretty much pretty much covers it that's that's ultimately what i want people to get to is to understand hey accept my sin repent of our sin yep move away <clears throat> from our sin and just rejoice in the beauty of what god has done for us yeah that's what uh i appreciate of how we were able to um, conclude this, you know, Genesis three with communion, mm -hmm. uh, because it just painted a beautiful picture of being invited to the table. I'm like, listen, accept it, repent. And the Lord is welcoming you to partake of his body and his blood, which yeah. is a, a, you know, a pointing towards him, his broken body for us and his shed blood covering over our, uh, our sin. And yep. we're made new as Paul, uh, the apostle Paul talks about and. um, uh, was it first Corinthians five, second, second Corinthians five seventeen that were new creations mm -hmm. in Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all because of Jesus. Yeah. And, um, it's a, it's a beautiful gift that we have. So, yeah. uh, what are we diving into next week? Well, next week, Blake will be up and, cool. uh, he will be talking about Cain and Abel. So, you know, we, oh, we, that's a great, a fun story. Yeah. We yeah. go from Gosh. sin entering like rebellion against God into like the next thing that happens between mankind that we see is murder. Right. Yeah. So it's just like it very quickly deteriorates into just truly awful like separation from one. Another. And you see the, the complete brokenness of God's plan when human life is taken a fellow image bearer is killed because of jealousy and sin, ultimately. So, yeah, uh, yeah it should be a fun one for uh, for a high school pastor to cover. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are grateful that you guys joined us and look forward to you uh, seeing you next week. 
see you. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>